This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hello, this is Christina Zanato and Kevin Lorenzen. And we're here to chat with Ian and Gemma on the Big Scuba Podcast. You guys hear us? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good, good. Yeah. We wanted to get you on because, you know, um, Christina, because it's the year coming up to the year to the date when we first spoke to you and went live with that episode and uh to life for me and now i can't remember what number was that jim i bet you remember yeah it was a it was really early on but it was may the third when we when we went live with that episode and i can't believe a year has gone and Gemma and i were talking and saying you know and we spoke to you kevin as well didn't we very soon afterwards um you know and we thought we need to do a, a catch up with you both to see what you've been up to because i know uh, you both are really, really busy. Um, you know, we're always seeing you on Facebook, social media. Um, last night you were at the Ocean Forum Geographic 21. Um, so we'll find out a bit about that. So, you know, uh, that's, you know, the yeah. reason why we thought, because we don't go over the old ground because we know we've, we've covered that and we've done that. Um, and we, we see, you know, you take more hooks out of, different sharks mm-hmm. and stuff like that constantly, which is really great. Yeah, so yeah. maybe if we sort of kick off with the, the sharks, you know, what's been happening since we last spoke to you? Oof. <laughs> well, I was going to Not kick us. off with the land sharks. My daughter will give me right earache if I don't ask about your dogs. <laughs> All right, should we start off with the sharks? You go, start asking. Yeah, so um, obviously with the lockdown and not seeing them, because when we spoke to you, you hadn't been out to sort of dive with the sharks. So what was like the first experience um, when you got back in the water after being locked down? So we spoke in May and I was able to go back in the water with them the first time in June, I think. Mm -hmm. We had like a small opening. And uh, for me, it was a personal... Um, I really miss you kind of dive. And I was eager to see if they were doing okay. I was eager to see if the, you know, the girls had given birth and the other girls had actually started to mate and we actually had some of those answers as soon as we went diving. So for me, it was just kind of like a, a, a small reunion. I don't know for Kevin. Yeah, the same thing. And it was just to see them again, you know, see that they were doing good and it was just good to be back in the water with them. Yeah. Did you notice anything different about their behaviour? Did they suddenly, did you think, right, they've, you know, they recognise you? Because I know, you, you know, you wear the um, Neptunic suits and that. Do, do you think they recognised you? Well, the first dives, actually, we weren't even wearing the suits. We just went oh, diving, uh, regular recreational dives. And uh, we just would, you know, visually identify the sharks as swimming by. And they kind of like came, I don't know if it was uh, because they directly recognized us or maybe it was a familiarity of the location, but yes, they came. And so that gives an opportunity to say, oh, okay, I can't, I saw Stumpy and I saw Crook and I saw uh, Shredder. We're still doing that right now. We're Shredder. still kind of like making sure we see them. Yeah. And when we first got in, they, they were, I mean, they were there to see us as well. They just 
kept following us in the first few dives. He never left us. He just stayed with us the whole dive. You see, you know, oh, you guys are back. What are you doing now? And then slowly they just kind of like, oh, okay. We realized. So the first they were like very almost clingy. And then yeah. they went back to being, you know, their normal selves. Yeah. yeah. The amazing experience. And did you have any new shocks? Well, and yeah, we have had quite a few new ones showing up on the dive as well. A um, couple of different sizes as well, not only young, young females, but also some older females. Um, we had a male that we never seen before that came into the dive and been sticking around a little bit, so. And we have now a girl that we're almost ready to name. And she showed up, she has very, very uh, distinctive characteristics. She has the bottom of her tail has kind of like a little bit of wrapped skin around it. She had a, like a, a, a giant, not hole, but like a white spot, almost like it was a hole on the, on the back of her left side. And then she has a little a notch missing on the top of her dorsal fin. And I was waiting for those blemishes to heal and they healed very well. And she's big now. And she's been there more than six months. So well, I was thinking the other day, I think we're ready to, to name her. I came up with this silly name. I think we're gonna rename it, but I was thinking we should call her uh, Nacho because she has a notch in her fin. So still call her a notch, which, you know, maybe we'll call her Nacho. Nacho has Nacho. a notch in her fin. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great if we've got some more visitors as well. Yeah, some more people or more sharks coming in. That's, yeah. yeah. So, and how, how did The group you... is still nice and healthy. Uh, everyone is accounted for so far, but for one shark called Half-Baked, I haven't seen her. But then even Grandma, I hadn't seen her in three weeks. And then just the other day, she basically cruised in. Uh, nice, healthy, plump as usual. It's kind of like casual. It's like, hey, where have you been? And it's just, just kind of like, hey, I'm here. Can I have my fish now? <laughs> uh, and do you think any of them had uh, given birth or were there any youngsters? Uh, not yet. They are still pregnant. So we're about a couple of months away from what is going to be the birthing season. But definitely. Definitely pregnant. For sure. It's funny when Stumpy came in the first time and she came swimming over the reef and you had to almost look twice because it looked like a mini bullshack coming in because she's just so really? pregnant. Yeah. And how big are the young when, they, when they're born? They're about uh, about 11 inches, so where it'd be a, a third of a meter, more or less. Yeah, uh, yeah they're about 10, 11 inches long. Uh, they're born the same as the uh, adults, so they're a miniature version of the adults. Right. You know, like how in other animals or humans, you know, you have the puppy and they have the puppy face and the babies have the little chunky arms and fatty feet. And the sharks have none of that. They're just a restricted version, like a shrunken down version of an adult, completely independent. Uh, Caribbean ray sharks, our sharks give live birth, which is pretty amazing, umbilical yeah. cord live birth. And they give birth about four to six pups every two years. Mm -hmm. And do they generally, they always have one, not a multiple birth? One birth, yes, yeah. about four to six pups and that's it. And then they wait one year before they mate. So the year they give birth, they don't mate. Mm -hmm. And then they mate next year and then have one year gestation and then they give birth. So it's a, quite a long process if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. But generally they're doing all right by the sound of it. Yes, they've actually been doing really good. Um, 
Compared to usual, there were less hooks to remove. Now, once a fishing obviously resumed, there's always a risk of a shark going after a fish and a, a shark ended up with a, a, a hook in, a, mm -hmm. in her mouth. But compared to when there's more visitors, more sport fishing, more alternate kind of, um, can I sports, then I haven't seen as many hooks. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a good thing. The lack of traffic has shown positive results. The other day I was diving, I was guiding a group in like 15 meters and was like the scattered coral heads and they were just exploding with life and the diademas and clean off all the algae. And it just was like literally diving one of the per perfectly balanced ecosystem habitats, you know, with everything I noticed from like invertebrates all the way to corals and sponges and just as the sharks are swam by, of course. So a little bit of less pressure seems to have benefited the area as well. Yeah, yeah. I did notice on the BBC website, there's some scientists looking into um, to see if they can measure um, in different parts of the world of how COVID has made a difference to wildlife, you know, because planes aren't in the air and people aren't traveling and uh, tourism is low and how that's affecting, you know, different ecosystems. So um, I suppose that would take a while for them to do that. Yeah, and you need to put in consideration though the other effect, right? So uh, one of the things that happened and uh, this big uproar, but which has been proven apparently to be incorrect in the interpretation, but like even here in the Bahamas, 95% uh, of the population relies on tourism. Well, when tourism basically yeah. dropped literally off the face of the earth, mm -hmm. uh, people reverted back to, uh, for example, self-provisioning. So self-provisioning obviously is less impactful than industrial fishing, yeah. but there are places where people had to basically go back and say, where well, I'm an island nation, I usually work on tourism, there's zero tourism. So at least to put food on the table, they literally went and put food on the table mm -hmm. um, by yeah. going yeah. fishing. So it will be interesting also to see how that is affected. Um, there are places where they actually had negative effect because let's say a remote areas, right? Let's say the Cocos Island you have operators that go there with the uh, liverboards, they're a deterrent for illegal fishing. Well, now there's no liverboards and it becomes harder for a small country yeah. uh, like Costa Rica to actually uh, take care of a place like that so remote and sending ships out. So there's higher risk of poaching. So chances are there was areas that benefited, but it will also be interesting to see where uh, the less presence and the more pressure may be created actually more issues. It, it's yeah. a long, definitely a long study to deal with. Yeah, Lapagos Islands comes to mind as well. There's been big ships out there, isn't there, fishing since the Liverpool's been going out and tourism. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, but it is, like you said, a long process. And, you know, we all don't know what the future holds again. It's just, it kind of makes you rethink that, What's around the corner next? But but we've all got through it. So let's see. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we've learned some of the mm -hmm. lessons. I hope that we're not uh, all at the starting line. You know, I, I imagine ourselves sorry, being on the starting line, kind of like grasping into the dirt like a, a horse ready for a race maybe we actually when we start we'll approach things differently i i try to imagine obviously this not apply 
to us in this general, but I tried to mention maybe people that have realized that you can work remotely, yeah. maybe from now on the offices will say, well, let's work remotely three days a week and two days you come into the office. Well, that's going to reduce uh, car traffic, that's yeah. going to reduce pollution. So there are things that I hope the you know, more the, let's say more industrialized world will realize that function even during COVID that they may be willing to still apply. There's a better quality of life, I think. I, I have some friends that tell me they used to commute two and a half to three hours per day. Mad, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah. Mad. it's a lot of time to commute. Yeah, you're right. You know, I think, well, I definitely, you, you just read, it's been a total review of what you do. And yeah, in terms of, you know, what, how much of yet day you dedicate to your work and what you, you know, spend in spare time doing well if you're not commuting and you have those three extra hours i think you can become more efficient in your work and then actually more caring about yourself and in a certain way more caring about things that maybe were important to you yeah yeah totally yeah so hopefully a lot of good will come out of it makes <laughs> me wonder why we waited so long though isn't it really why did we all, all wait for a big pandemic to make this change. Well, sometimes you need what to do it before. <sighs> you can't look backwards; you got to look forwards. <laughs> no, that's like what? No, why? Why? I don't get that. We <laughs> just sort of just said, "I've just done it." But three hours is such a long time to commute. Yeah, yeah. So, how about cave exploration? How's that progressed? Is that going well? Well, that one. <laughs> very busy and luckily we had a lot of, lot of time to do it and I mean we have we haven't stopped basically uh, we founded two new cave systems last year and we've just been going at it um, to the point where there's no more line to find on the island no more line we could find where we usually buy it online and it was just <laughs> we put in so much line we end up actually buying masonry line off the internet because we couldn't find any more cave line at the usual cave line support. Dive right, uh, gracefully sent us, donated like 10, 10 rolls of line. And then we kept buying and then all the line was gone off the island. So, I, I mean, and it was uh, amazing because the other funny part is we did this all this exploration work and then we will dump sometimes 4,000 feet of line in one dive. So Kevin and I will go in and then split and maybe I'll go, I'll go downstream and you go upstream or let's call it like that one part of the cave, you go in a different one, we'll surface with four empty reels, 4,000 feet later. So more than a kilometer of line dumped in one dive. And then as the cave run out within, you know, six weeks of exploration, we'll be kind of like, ah, oh, there's no more cave. I can't believe there's no more cave. And then I will look at the map and said, listen, I said, if we've done this during a regular life you know where you also had to go uh diving for work and taking care of other things we would still be exploring it's yeah. just we were diving an average of six to eight hours per cave dive six to eight hours per week wow uh, so the progress you've made in the times we've been through is yeah unheard of yeah really i mean it's only because we had so much time on our hands that we could do that otherwise we were still been exploring for the next couple of years maybe yeah absolutely and i mean and there's still places to be found i mean when yes. we go we still find obviously exploration starts with the 
uh, path of least resistance and then you go into the path of least resistance a little bit less and then as you lay more and more line then you go looking on for the smallest and smallest areas or shorter yeah. places maybe shorter circuits but um there is still more to do on the last few weeks we actually put it on hold um there's been some changes in our legislations in the bahamas about permits so we're working on receiving the correct permits to be able to continue uh, continue our work i mean you can still explore you can still go cave diving but then to collect uh, data, you need a permit. So we're working on applying for those permits. Yeah. And we also got a little bit NEMO? more busy. Hmm? Is that with the NEMO system still? Yeah, we're still using the NEMO system. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very, uh, I mean, you can actually really put down a kilometer, kilometer and a half in one dive and map it on the way out. That's a long way, isn't it? <laughs> You know, we've been running and you think running a kilometre is a fair way and then to do that underwater in a cave system, it's a long old way. Yeah, we've done a couple. Mm. Yeah. We've done a couple of dives where we really pushed like the boundaries. And the problem is in these, in these caves, they're small enough that we actually can really fit with a traditional underwater scooter. So uh, we've been using a little... Uh, scuba jet scooter uh, with a little enhanced battery pack but even that one you know can only tow you in certain areas in others you still have to push it through most of the cave is a swim only and like the first 300 meters basically you have to just carry it because you can't use it and then like i've done a dive in, in my section of the cave I've, I've done dives like four hours long of continuous swimming from the beginning all the way around i was doing like a check i was like okay i'm going to swim down the line and check for any possible lead and basically did a loop of my entire exploration areas and it was a continuous swim for four hours or so. Mm. <laughs> so we've been this is after hiking carrying the gear <laughs> to the entrance yeah. um one of the two caves well both caves we actually end up buying wellington boots like giant <laughs> rain boots because you sink down into these muddy, clammy, swampy. swampy areas. You know, a couple of times, actually, the tide was so high <laughs> that I actually sunk down in a hole and all the water went inside the boots. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't lose your wellies, that's a... <laughs> yeah. They're not easy caves to find, nor they're easy caves to approach. That is part of the cave exploration. I think that people don't um, don't realize. You know, we just uh, show up with either the video or the pictures, and they don't see uh, some of the preparation. I mean, Kevin can explain to you how we did for Niflheim, which was our first cave. Yeah, that was the the toughest one because it is a very long hike to the to the cave from where you can actually park the car. So we, how long is it? We're walking about three. It's 500 meters. 500 meters? Yes. So we parked the car and then we have to carry all our gear there. And it's at least three trips. We can't do it in any less. So it's three trips going there with some gear coming back, bringing the next. And then we did this in the middle of the summer where it's brutally hot here. And we still have to put on the dry suit. So as we finally carried the stuff, we're completely drenched in sweat. And then you have to put on your undergarments, put on the dry suit, and you're just... <laughs> So we it actually, <laughs> at a certain point, we actually set up base. Like we, the the cave was so remote that we decided that we actually left some stuff out there hidden in the bush. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll do the massive carrying of the tanks the day before. So we'll carry the four tanks, two, two tanks one of us needed or extra, sometimes the three tanks each. And then we had a box where we stored uh, some of the gear, like the fins, the masks, the helmets, the kind of stuff that you don't need. And we'll mm -hmm. only carry the rebreather, the dry suit and undergarments, which obviously needs to be tended to dried out. Yeah. Um, but, and the thing is, it's a 500 meters each way. So you do three kilometers just to get there and then another, you know, uh, three kilometers to come out. That's when we decided to set up base. What, again, you can't understand, it's not like a straight paved road. It's not three kilometers, you know, 500 meters mm -hmm. on a straight. It's like balancing on the rocks and sinking into okay. the slipping off this rock and, you know. <laughs> the unbeaten path. It, to us, it's part of the the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you go to places where it's not, you know, you, you you are exploring. You are going that unbeaten path where people haven't been before, or very unlikely have been before. Very unlikely have been. Yeah, before. definitely no one's been there. <laughs> definitely no one has been there. Because I know cave divers, they will have left some line. No one has ever been in those two caves. And yeah, but yeah and I think the part of the exploration that uh, we love is not just the dive, 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 is just the entire experience. The challenge, I mean, Kevin spent hours, it, that's his specialty, you know, kind of like split uh, roles and who does what, where, but he spends hours on, on the computer searching for possible areas that might look like holes mm -hmm. and then there's a part where we tried to figure it out which road to take and then chances are the first time we went i remember one of them uh what was the citrus farm the anaconda swamp one of the two is just you arrive and it's just you know with dorian as well and and all the uh storms that's happened there's no more road so it's just like maybe a kilometer a kilometer and a half just to walk there and then decide, okay, is it worth it clearing the path to then go dive in here? But we're just as excited just doing that part of the job. What, is, what would happen, right, if you were exploring for days uh, and you're, you, you're in this new cave system that you found, and then you finally get to the end, and at the end there's a picture of somebody going, welcome. <laughs> They got their thumbs up, the cheesy photo going, nice to see you. Like some game, <laughs> yeah. Well, you've made it, well done. Uh, it must be an amazing experience. Well, and how do you feel at the end of the day when you've done all that? <laughs> Exhausted. <laughs> yeah, but also extremely satisfied. And it's just, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe because it's just amazing, you know, that we're... You know, it's, it was 2020 and we found two new caves that no one ever knew about. Yeah. On this small island as well. It's pretty amazing that there still is new things to be found. Do you think you'll ever get to the end? No. Where you've, you've covered the whole, the whole cave system? Uh, eventually. Uh, but like, look, uh, in the same year, 2020, uh, we were remapping a very known system called the old Freetown system. We'll just do it a more digitalized version and the interactive map with the video and all that. 
and was 2020 or 2019 end of 2019 well, but anyway as well. and and all of a sudden you know like we're swimming down this cave where there's been quite a few explorers i mean some famous names and people have been diving them for 30 years and truth to behold that you know i dumped in it another six thousand feet of tunnels i just all of a sudden find a cave you know everybody was like exploring exploring it's like oh the cave is done and it's just I'm like well it's not actually <laughs> um it actually expanded both east and west in two directions that were not expected as a behavior That's really cave. cool yeah i'm more this year as well yeah, and then yeah, you I'm, expanded the Lukaya National Park, another of you know most dived caves explored, and all of that. And some of it, you know, we have to give credit to modern technology. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, like my hat to the original explorers that did it in wetsuits, in air, so the decompression times that did it with halogen lights, that did it with open circuits. So there's all to put that. So here we come. Uh, with an advanced technology and maybe more training, we're benefiting from what those people have learned. But, you know, we're in rebreather, dry suits with LED lights the last six hours. And we found more cave at the end of where those guys went. And I mean, yeah. they went far. Yeah. <laughs> be, it is um, yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what's going to happen in maybe. 50 years right where is the gear going to be so how much are we going to carry and how is that going to change even for those people the endurance of being underwater mm -hmm. and are they going to be able to go even further than where we were able to go so in a certain way saying the cave is done i don't think it's it's fair um there's always something and uh, once maybe you finish the tunnels, then the cave uh, has other information to give you. And I think that's what makes exploration so exciting. It's not just about finding the tunnel, but is then what is like what story is the cave telling you? Yeah. Uh, what information can you get out of it? And when you swim down a thousand times the same tunnel, is what do you notice that you didn't notice when you were a newbie? Yeah, yeah. I guess your eyes will adjust and get used to noticing different things every time. You maybe go in, yeah. Let's say. Yeah, it's never the same. Even you know, however many times you dive the same tunnel to get to somewhere else, there's always something new you notice mm. once you're there. And how have the general conditions been? Have you had any bad weather, or has it been kind of good caving weather? We had some some bad days in the summer, and a lot of rain where the visibility just turned so bad. Yeah. The summer here, the with the rainwater and then the heat, it creates a, a lot of what is called tannic acid. It's like basically brewing tea. Um, so it rains, there's all these leaves of the mangroves and the trees in the water. And with the heat, it literally brews basically a tea. So you're swimming through these like, uh, some of them are like blood red water, but then some of it also sips into the caves and it gets hazy. There was a cave I actually stopped exploring during the summer because I said, I need cooler weather and less tea to be able to explore because I could barely see in front of my hand. And I still found, I still, I still laid line and actually connected tunnels. I said, how did I do? I don't know. Because, you know, short of bumping my head into the walls. But um, the worst part for me is the transition during the summertime due to lightning storms. When you're in a cave, I mean, the visibility you deal with, the water temperature you deal with, for me, is really the transition. 
Mm. Uh, the lightning storms are my determining factor. Um, it is rather, you know, your surface and you're clad in gear and as lightnings, you know, bolting down, you know, 10 meters from you and you are, you know, a right. 30 minute hike from the car. It, it's, I'm sorry, it's not fun. But otherwise, no, the winter was fantastic. Yeah. The winter was a great weather, no lightning storm, cool weather to put on the gear. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of British people complain about, you know, like the fact that it's cold and we say when it's, you know, below 20 degrees, we think it's cold. But trust me, working in a 30 plus with 96% humidity. Yeah, Joyce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had frost on the ground here this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's snowing yesterday. You open your eyes, you sweat. Bling. You asked about the future, and I need to remind you about the future. The future has already been out, and it's been on telly, it's been in a film. Have you ever seen the film called The Abyss? Yes. yes. I bet Gemma hasn't. Oh, wait. Gemma's, Gemma's film coverage is shockingly bad. I probably have seen it. The Abyss is a great film and the one the better underwater. It's a cult film. movie for a diver. It's a cult, I'm sorry, it has become a cult movie. It is a cult movie, but what does he what happens at the end? What does Ed Harris do at the end? Well, there's different endings. So I actually have like really? the whole version, but the and there's been actually experiments, but he's actually breathing a liquid substance in Going which back to so the birth. Yes, in which he basically claims that the internal air spaces, which could be affected below a certain pressure, won't be affected. We still forget, you know, he has a helmet, so he still has airspace. No, he actually has glass in there too. So he's yeah. completely filled with liquid. The problem with that so far has been that technically there could be a way to do that, but is when they take you out of that, you have risk of secondary drowning. Mm. But if that would be the next step, hopefully, hopefully wearing something smaller than what he's wearing in that movie, uh, definitely that will be something, a breakthrough for Don't humanity. Don't tell me it's not true. I've always thought it's, got, it's true. It's borderline possible. I was reading some articles yeah. about it, that it's borderline possible. However... It is right now physically not attainable. But like you said, you know, 50 years down the line, who knows where we'll be. Exactly. So, Jen, you got to watch The Abyss. I've written it down. Kevin, Kevin started three years ago. I started 27 years ago. And, I, I, and that's what I tell young people when they ask me, I want to be you. I want to do what you do. And I tell them, you need to be you. You cannot be me. I had opportunities that you will not have because I've taken them, for example. Some of them, they're mine for me to take. But you have opportunities that I could only dream of. And Kevin here is a perfect example. Three years into his careers, because obviously of the time and everything that he put in, but he moved from a side mount cave diver into a side mount rebreather cave diver. Well, none of that existed when I became a cave diver. It was mandatory to do a back mount. You have to have a hundred cave dives to go into side mount, or you did side mount only on the side, but you couldn't really tell people. Never mind a side mount or rebreather. Yeah, there were some experimental units, but like 
off the shelf, you know, a sidewinder. So here he is at three now and a half years into his diving career. Well, four years into his four diving years. career. Into his diving career. So from open water, four years later, he's exploring cave in side mount rebreather. Yeah. Well, four years into my career, I, you know, I was happy that actually they invented the seven mil suits that I could actually keep warm with. And they were shaped for women. And <laughs> so 50 years from now, absolutely. I've seen changes in my lifetime. The lights that we carry. The, my first cave light was like a mini fridge. It was like a cooler that you take to the beach. Yeah. Right? It was like pull out cans. It's like, hey, would you like a beer? Yeah, sure. Here's all. Wait, no, it's my battery pack that I put underneath my doubles. And fast forward, not even, not 27 years later, but let's say 15, 18 years later, my uh, battery pack is the size of that can of beer that might have been inside that cooler. Mm-hmm. So just that. Uh, for women, uh, the changes in gear that fits women's body, that thinks about the fact, you know, how our shoulders are shaped, our hips are shaped, our waist tucks in, um, that didn't exist when I started. So, yeah, to to more cave and to more cave explorers in 50 years from now. Yeah, yeah, just got to embrace it and yeah, accept it's on the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have you, um, so Kevin, have you done any more qualifications? Have you sort of progressed any further along with diving or is it just kind of experience? Oh, it's 2020. Well, I did the rebreather in 2020 in January, which yeah. have helped tremendously with the, the cave diving for sure. Um, what else has I done? Well, the rebreather, he did the rebreather and then he came back and basically had to go back to uh, step one, which was. Yeah, so when, as soon as I got the rebreather, I would start out slowly as I, when I came back to this island after being certified a cave diver, I would start you know, slow and slowly progress until I was comfortable with it. And it was just, you know, sick in nature having it on. And, you know, it takes some time and you just got to spend those hours getting used to the unit, mm. practicing, yeah. practicing. And I still do that. And then he actually put his hands on my camera. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> so... Uh, in 2019, right before Dorian, I invested in, in a camera, GH5, and in a housing with strobes from Isotta. Like, really nice a setup. I had been dreaming of taking pictures in the water for a long time. I had a system called the Nikonos 5, which right. was a film camera back in the late 90s. And then um, they broke into the apartment that I was living in, and I basically snatched and a backpack with all my content in it. And I left a few things behind. And at the time I was going for a cave diving instructor. And so I had to make a financial choice between do I stick with photography or do I keep with my cave instructor training? It was a lot of investment traveling to Florida training. And so 20 years later, I said, okay, I'm gonna grab the camera. And I've been enjoying, you know, taking videos, pictures, learning how to do it. But at a certain point I said, you know, Kevin, it would be nice, you know, sometimes maybe you take pictures of me. It's been nice for me to, I was doing a presentation. I'm like, I have no pictures of myself anymore because I only take pictures. So I made the mistake of handing me off the camera. Which is cool because he's, you know, he's learned, he's learning that and he started taking 
uh, more active role into taking the pictures and again switching in what we can do yeah. uh, in the cave or working with sharks. Um, he had already experience with the video, but it was really, it was kind of like funny, you know, just like you take a couple of pictures. I said, yeah, just a few. <laughs> it's good though, because some your photos um, have a certain look, don't they? With I don't maybe it's the water. I don't know, but they have a certain look about them, don't they? And you can kind of spot your photos; they stand out from other people's photos. Ah, thank you. Um, I don't know well, whether so it's with the sharks, you mean, or in general? Uh, main, mainly with the sharks. Yes, I might think be the light might be the color, of the blue. No, it's the, the, the way I see sharks allow me to take pictures in a way that maybe a photographer cannot because they can't anticipate. Mm -hmm. So if I'm taking pictures of Kevin, I know seconds ahead of what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And so I can actually line up because I can see the shark movement and I can see Kevin's movement. Same as if I yeah. take a picture of a student of mine, I can feel what they're about to do. And I have a certain perception of what the sharks will, will do as they approach, you know, how are they going to open up? How are they going to do this? Just because I spend so much time in the water with them. And that is the reason why I actually access the camera for me wanted, I always been in front of the camera and, uh, Let's face it, I kind of like it, but at a certain point I was like, wait, wait, I actually want to bring up what I see through my eyes. And that's what I'm trying yeah. to do with my photography is bring up my point of view, my perception of what's happening down there. And I think that's where you see the differences. I have the connections, which yeah. comes from, you know, being always in the water with them. And so I can anticipate certain places where I can position myself in certain ways to capture certain moments. Yeah. Yeah, that does come across. Yeah. Well, it's a good partnership if you can both share that role now and yeah. you get different perspectives from each other then as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've also been working on some of my professional levels. We did yeah, been working true. on the side mountain structure and the cavern structure. So it's good to to expand on those. And then I also became a Ben's Cavern guide. So he now can guide a specific tour on the island. I mean, we had time. I'm like, why not training, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it helps me as a trainer. It helps him as an instructor. Yeah. Uh, you learn from training as much as you learn. You learn teaching something as much as you learn taking something. And yeah. I obviously wanted to keep my skills going. So yes, he's been doing some good instructor training. <laughs> our mutual, our mutual friend in Tech Clark um, said to us about transform, and uh, and he said that when when we spoke to him and uh, hello to Tech by the way, um, he said you know this he believed this is a time to transform and uh, we use it quite a bit you know hashtag transform and. And, he, and he's right, you know, um, the lockdown and this time when you, we weren't doing that much. I know we're now getting busy again, but, you know, it's a time to pick up new skills and further yourself and uh, look at different ways of doing things. We're all done, really. Yeah, I, I would say we definitely transformed. And I'm actually hoping to bring this transformation to, to another step. It's actually it was, a, for me, the 2020 was uh, 
don't get me wrong, it was tough. And our lockdowns here were, were yeah. absolutely brutal. But it was also something, if somebody says, how was 2020? I can say it was a positive year mm. of a transformation, understanding, acceptance of um, definitely it showed me certain things that maybe I was doing that it was time for me to stop doing as well. Yeah. So I'm actually entering 2021 and Kevin knows this, you know, with like, hmm, I definitely don't want to go back doing that before 2020. Yeah, well, that's a good place to be, isn't it? It's just, yeah, I think it's kind of a refreshing feeling as well. It's... Yeah, it is a refreshing feeling. It's really funny is that it's, uh, it's hard to explain. I tried to explain it to people. Right? Here I am, you know, like we don't know where when it comes in from one day to the other. Uh, if we're ever going to have, you know, work, there's no steady income. And yet it has uh, such a, it's like an opening a window, it's a fresher mm. breath air. And there's um, the possibilities in a certain way, kind of like fuel this a sense of um, excitement. They're actually, um, I feel personally, I don't know for Kevin, but for me, I have less of a, a ball chain to my ankle. And I actually can jump a little bit higher. And I'm actually being jumping around a little bit higher, going, yes, yeah, <laughs> and trying. And um, like I said, it's been difficult. There have been the days where I felt maybe down or defeated, but then there's always like, oh, wait, I have this other idea. And you can actually reach into this hat and keep pulling out ideas and, and just, yeah go about something that before you couldn't because you were just too busy kind of like yeah. dragging along that ball attached to your ankle yeah and it's almost on a railroad but I think now every well a lot of people have realized yeah there's lots of different tracks you can be on you don't have to be on one it's, yeah. yeah yeah I would say so what about Kevin what about you well absolutely I mean you know when things like this was going on, you have, you know, two choices. You can sit there and do nothing or you can actually, you know, try to do something else. And that's yeah. what we've been doing and it's been great. And we've, you know, tried different things and some is good, some is not as good, but we've been doing whatever we could and it's, you know. It's and of kind course, of amazing. Yeah, last year that says help yourself that the heavens will help you this is so roughly translated right mm -hmm. and it's basically mean yeah you can't you can't just sit there and waiting for the heavens quote unquote mm -hmm. to come and help you it's like basically help yourself and heavens will help you and i think that um it's kind of interesting it, i there is some truth into if you your output is a positive energy then you receive a positive feedback. I mean, Gemma here is my, my, my hero, right? Is the positive energy to Gemma, and you as well, you know, but Gemma is, is just my icon. I watch her post, right? It's like, oh, it's minus 20 and I'm having a great time on the beach. It's like, never mind, coming off my ear. Let me remove it before I take it off. But it's the finding the pleasure and the excitement in everyday small actions. And the one that Gemma and you have been very good at is uh, you have transformed. And it could be as simple as you have pick up, for example, exercise. Yeah. But the importance of exercising, which is something that for us is important and keep your body moving and then gets that adrenaline going and that gets that endorphin going. Yeah. 
just do something, right? Because everybody sits there and waits for the big change. It's like, no, 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 don't wait for the big change. Just do something, yeah. something small that gives you a positive reinforcement, a little bit of endorphins and use that energy to do something more. Yeah. So you don't need to wait for the big thing to happen or the big change to happen to then go, oh, I'm just going to do something amazing now. And that is where you guys have been, for me, absolute hero to watch. Like where you've grown this podcast in a year time. I mean, you're just like hammer on the same nail, but just my hats to you. I, I watch it. You can ask Kevin every time I see something, I have a big smile and says, I'm like, look at this too. Look what they're doing. Oh, wow. Look what they've been able to accomplish and how amazing they are. To be honest, that has been a... Uh, it, it, we, we were talking about this the other night, weren't we? And the year has gone so fast, um, you know, hence why we wanted to get you on. Um, and yeah, it, we've just spoke to some really great people and we kind of have to pinch ourselves, don't we, Jim? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's just amazing. The more you talk to people and the more kind of doors and opportunities and ideas we get from their energy as well, that just kind of keeps this ball rolling. And it's just, yeah. yeah. And I I think the more you do it, the more, you know, I'm a different person to how I was maybe a couple of years ago, but that is to do with, you know, how we've been together and the podcast and yeah. And like I say, just keeping active and full of energy. <laughs> and I think you set us off on the right track as well, because I think um, you know when we spoke, you know, it was all, it was a very positive message, um, you know, and I think that has stayed with us. It has, and, you know, with especially you know as we spoke um, during different times through the, through the year, and you was involved with us with the Paddy Women's Day as well. You know, another great positive uh, message as well. And I think that has kind of stayed with us. And, and we had that. And the first year has been very much a foundation um, for us to really build on, I think, really. Uh, and, you know, your things that you said to us back then, you know, has has stayed with us as much. We, we use, you know, where we can educate, uh, explore, conservation and we try and use your words that you gave us to try and as a as a what's the word um well it's just it's part of our journey isn't it yeah yeah it's part part of the journey grounding us yeah yeah it's been amazing to follow your journey it's been uh i don't want to sound kind of sorry, but very, I, I, I kind of like proud of seeing you, see, seeing what the two of you have built, the determination, the connections you've made, the liaison into the industry that is yeah. yours and yours only. Mm. You should be very proud of it. I am of you, but you know, I'm not your mom. So um, <laughs> I think you should just be very proud of yourselves. Uh, so people diving as well. It's just like crazy. You think like, you know, get, they've qualified and then they've got 18 dives still and it's just like yeah. <laughs> and you talk to all these amazing people and you think well you just want to kind of get on a bit more <laughs> so, but we did that today we got in the pool today so that was yeah. that went well didn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, uh, that's good that's actually a very good message uh to go in the pool before you actually you know dust off the 
VCD that's been sitting in the closet for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been trying to do that uh, through many different channels. Uh, even the uh, Council for Rebreather Training basically came out and says, uh, check your checklists. You yeah. know? And, and I tried to tell people, says, if you haven't been diving, refresh your skills. Because as the doors open, there's nothing worse than spoiling your day because you didn't have a very good day of diving or you spoil on some, some of your loved ones just because you know things turn ugly. So hidden the pool, hidden a little review, um, very good and very good message. If, if yeah. We were lucky enough, we've been diving all the way through. Mm. It is because we, we haven't dived for um, nearly six months, you know, and um, you, you kind of do have to get your dive when you haven't, when you had that kind of surface interval, you do have to kind of, well, we do, and I'm presuming other people do as well, you have to get your diving head back on again and think, right. Okay, think diving, what we've got to do, this goes here, this feels right. And <laughs> and I'm glad we did it in the pool, not in, and you know, when we're talking to Roz, uh, Roz Lunn the other day, and she was saying, you know, you know someone who's very well, uh, loads of experience and loads of dives as well, like yourself. And, and she said, oh, I'm just gonna go for a bimbo in the, in the um, uh, stony cove water here. And just have it, just enjoy diving. And we we're like, wow, that's just great. So great to hear. You're just going to do that. And as a, a shallow dive, just test everything out, you know, make sure everything's all okay, rather than just go, right, I'm going to go back into the deep waters and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant. That was really brilliant to hear that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I was just going to ask about People of the Water. How's that charity progressing? Oh, can you hear me? What was that? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so, can you repeat because you went? Yeah, so the People of the Water, how's that progressed over the last sort of six, seven months? Well, as, as a nonprofit, it struggles mm -hmm. because a lot of nonprofit that have struggled, especially it's a small one, in the terms that obviously people, uh, there was less finances available to distribute and so uh, quite a lot of uh, these small nonprofit have been suffering. But at the same time, we were able to really expand the outreach educational program. So hopefully then that will return into, you know, a return on investments to uh, throughout the year, I did over 200 between presentation, classrooms. Oh. I connected with, what is it? Sounds like a phone. What is it sound? Do you guys hear the sound? Yeah, it's a phone connection, yeah. No, I think, one second, hold on. Maybe it's him, it's dying for power. Our speaker, external speaker. Because <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like an also an occupied phone line. Yeah. 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 No, no, we've not had that before. So Maybe it's us. Can you? Yeah. I think it's complaining. Sorry about that. That's all right. Okay. Are you there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. okay. All right, let's try again, see if he's not gonna complain now. We put it on <laughs> So uh, I was saying people of the world has been struggling, but like in the last year, I've been doing over 200 presentation classrooms. I've reached 
places some of them i had to jump you know loopholes of time zones you know like talking to india 11 and a half hours difference and then talking to classrooms in australia i talked to georgia in europe not georgia in the united states um it's so it's been that from that point of view really really good to be able to do all this outreach program and a lot of it was time now with more of the life resuming, I still trying to do. Uh, what I do is I concentrate on specific days. And then what I try to do is really, I relegate them to either the early, early hours or the late, late hours, unless it's something like that is on my time zone. Yeah. Luckily, most of the outreach has been like on different time zone, which has allowed me to really manipulate around, around my work. Uh, the exploration we said it and then conservation obviously that is the last step we're still talking with the bahama national trust mm-hmm. um but, you know we push we push our little nonprofit forward and hopefully we'll grow with time yeah. and um, people have been supportive and they've been helping out a little bit so every little bit helps every small donation that we receive we're very thankful for yeah, that's good. Well, we'll yeah, see some more sharing with it as well, and yeah, get get the name out there. So because yeah, yeah, we will. Audience this. is forever growing around the world. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's really good. So we've got to ask about the dogs. If I don't, if I don't ask about the do- your dogs, I will get seriously told off by my daughter. She she was only mentioned it to me yesterday. <laughs> so how are they? So- May last year, last year, I only had two. Yes. yes. We were left with Mac and Blue. And then at the end of June, and smack in the middle of the beginning of the tough lockdown, I had the brilliant idea to foster a puppy. Because, you know, I know for a fact that once I foster, I'll be able to give the puppy away to be adopted. Mm-hmm. Not. And so... <laughs> Uh, two, three months later, as we were fostering this puppy and the time was ticking for him to be shipped to, so it had to be returned to the Humane Society to be shipped to Florida to eventually be adopted. Uh, we made this very kind of like tough decision because we were like really in the middle of not working, zero income or anything like that, adopt a third dog. And that's Tino. Tino is now full adult. We think is almost a year old. Lovely yeah, and he's about 54, 55 pounds. So he stayed kind of like a tiny uh, dog for us, about 20 kilos. Yeah. So compared, you know, to Blue, who is actually 63. <laughs> <laughs> 20 kilos for us is a tiny one. They're doing great. But he's like a true Bohemian pot cake. It doesn't get more pot cake than him. Puck cake is a breed of the uh, basically is a way in the old days they called puck cakes what are the local mutts, but now it actually has become also a breed and is an identifying a Caribbean dog, which is a mix of breeds and have certain characteristics like extremely intelligent, high energy, um, very much into you know like digging and like running and swimming and so he is like he's a delight. He's uh, the other two are doing great. Right now, everyone is sleeping. (laughs) And they all get on. Yes, it's amazing. It's really, I've seen that before when I brought Blue into Mac and Mia, but bringing Tino in, it actually rejuvenates the the other ones. And Mm -hmm. Tino and Mac play a lot outside, 
and then Tino and Blue play a lot inside, which is kind of funny how they do that. But I think it really has re-energized uh, the other two dogs, especially Mac, because Mac suffered of uh, Mia's passing. Mm. Um, unfortunately, when we we were hoping to put her to make help her, you know, cross the Rainbow Bridge here at home, but the doctor told us to bring her down to the studio. It was seven thirty at night, and so we left with her and came back in without her, mm. and he has had some tough months. And this is not anthropomorphic interpretation. He has had some very much a return of anxiety issues that he had when I first adopted him. Um, they used to share the same bed. I have two dog. I had two dog beds when I have me and Mac, and Mac will always sleep with Mia. Never slept on his own bed. So with Tino, that actually helped. They have that contact. They always sleep on top of each other. <laughs> uh, Mac is always touching Tino. Tino is always touching Mac. So. Uh, but they're doing great. You can tell the daughter they're happy, uh, healthy, um, running. They go to the beach once a week or every couple of weeks. We take them on long walks every other day. So every other day we put them in a car and then yeah. dry off in one part of the island and just open the doors and they just go. That is one of the advantages of living here. There's a lot of abandoned roads. And so they just go and explore and we just walk behind them. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, we picked up another half a dozen off the streets yeah. that we were able to give the human, bring to the Humane Society. And then when we drive around, we still try to, we always have a bucket of food. So we always mm -hmm. stop. Every time we see a dog on the side of the road, we'll stop and drop some food and kind of like mm -hmm. leave them some food. Most of the dogs run away and then they go back to the food once we leave. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it's been a lovely story to watch. It's <laughs> yeah we have some good success story jam and major are my two success story of this white year oh, yeah. well white it. tip and tempe and uh, sorry uh, white tip was a success story of a couple of years ago but, uh, major and jam this year hopefully they'll go to florida soon actually i have to check if they left that's yeah. brilliant so what is coming up for you both in the future what is you know, I know you've got some things in the pipeline. So, you know, what's what's the things we all got to be watching out for with you two coming up? Um, I would say more or less, like definitely more caves, mm -hmm. more exploration. Uh, hopefully, once the permits are stabilized, more of a shark work. Um, and then the rest is. I don't know what the future brings yeah. no ball on the foot so just you know like uh, there's a different options i'm working on different uh um, different opportunities they're all related with diving mm. we're definitely not leaving this field this world not yet <laughs> any more online shows anything like that uh well i just feel finished a film in a couple of of film shoots so hopefully those will come up one was also a youtube channel mm -hmm. so as they come up i will be able to share more unfortunately until they come up i can't share yeah but yes yeah. i've been i've been filming with nat geo as well and uh filming for a youtube channel so hopefully they do a good job of what they've been filming because you never know sometimes they can yeah. modify it um 
I did my first TEDx, which I was really, really happy. And I'm hoping to, you know, one day I'll continue with more TEDx and hopefully when they end up in TED. And then I submitted actually a um, draft, a presentation for a book that I hope is going to finally get printed. But wow. Yeah. It's That'd very be. hard. That's really hard. But finally, I submitted. Finally, I sent it off, and I said, "Here it is. Can we do something with it?" And just obviously waiting has been bounced around a couple of times. And yeah. Just, Have you ever been in like a talk on um, like demo demo show? So demo is supposed to be on, and mm. so I hope to be able to attend. Yeah, uh, that is so by now, uh, right now, the only dive show on this side of the world that seems that are going to be uh, physically happening. And then we were talking with Beneath the Sea, it's not going to happen until 2022. Mm -hmm. And then there's California, a Long Beach dive show, which is not a good one. Again, 2022. So yeah. hopefully Dima is on track and hopefully I'll be able to make my way. Uh, way over it's going to be nice to for me it's just also to be able to see people again physically it's been yeah. from that point of view it's been tough yeah. right not being able to connect physically with the people that sometimes you only see once a year mm. and so missing Dima is missing that connection yeah yeah seeing all, so many people all in one place it's such an opportunity and yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. oh well fingers crossed and yeah I think 2022 all being well should be a good year for yes yeah, so well, hopefully yeah i mean there's something to be said about still being in person i think mm. um it's good all this yeah. online stuff but i think every once in a while like let's say once a year having a conventions where you actually meet in person is actually yeah. something positive there's also talk about shark con happening shark con is a uh shark oriented uh show is actually not related to scuba diving is all about shark It's like a comic con for sharks and so there's all sorts of like attracts a lot of young people like uh, uh, children and teenagers it has games it has presentations it has scuba diving but it's not just scuba divers and so it's one of those that I really love to go because you meet a ton of scientists but you also mm. meet a ton of new ideas you can buy everything shark uh, <laughs> no, 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 but um, they're talking about having shark on happening. That is usually in Tampa, Florida, in that area. Okay. So hopefully that will happen as well. And that's usually in July. So yeah, and be cool. Uh, um, that is a very refreshing because it has a ton of young people, and they're all into sharks. Yeah, and that's what we need isn't it, at the end of the day. We need these young people to like, you know, carry on through, don't we? And get the inspiration, yeah. and yeah. Yes, yeah, so very young with games and toys or presentations and science and then as they grow older they'll realize well to be a shark person i need to be also a diver and then you can merge the two yeah yeah yeah, yeah like all exciting stuff yeah yeah it's been good to catch up nice. yeah <laughs> yeah catch up it's good for it's i think it's a good mental exercise to also sit there and say you know what was good about what happened in the last year that was good because i think uh it's dangerous to sit there and just think about what did not happen or what you did not get 
And sometimes it is human nature to do that. But instead of that, let's do a catch up. And it's like, well, what happened that was good? And what did you get? And what were you able to do that was out of the boundaries? Yeah. Um, so, yes, catch up, you know, and just yeah. like, let's summarize the year in a positive way. And to be honest with you, for us, 2020 was not. I mean, it had its, you know, uncertainties and all that, but we still managed to do a lot of good. And yeah, we still have really uncertainties up. now. Yeah. And it's still okay. Yeah, and, and that's just, you know, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's what 2020 taught us is like, there's, for me especially, you know, I've been a little bit uh, more established in my own ways. It's just like, oh, what am I going to do when something is uncertain? I have all these fears and then it happened and it's just like, oh, okay, you just push forward and oh, wow, this happens. Oh, okay, you push forward. Oh, and this happens and you push forward. And it just showed that all these fears actually just slowly kind of like part ways is... Uh, well, it's uh, probably say um, have no boundaries and have no limits, you know, you just got to kind of... Seize the day. Seize the day, yeah. <laughs> what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm. Well, there's nothing more there's no more rock bottom than what happened with 2020 you know you're like jobless and you're home and locked down and it's like well there's no no other way down you're sitting on the bottom so what could you do if you not feel and then you try like, try that and and actually it's like oh wow it works and and actually for me it was a very recharging year yeah and i think yeah we can say the same probably it's yeah it's not yeah. being doom and gloom. It's being yeah. You just keep keep your momentum going, and yeah, just makes you a stronger person. I think out the other side. Yeah. <laughs> chop chop. Go and find more caves. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I think that's a brilliant note to finish on. I think. Yeah. <laughs> chop chop. <laughs> find more caves. Yeah. <laughs> we have something more to share for next year. Exactly, exactly that. Well, do keep us posted with everything that you guys are up to, and um, you know, any talk, you know, anything you want us to help share. Always remember us. Bat phone is there as well for any messages, and um, do do please use it. It's, it's there. Um, we were wondering about that. Should we call like at our seven p.m. Like you know, your two a.m. or is or that whenever you oh. like. It's on cool. silent, yeah. so it's just, we don't man it. It's just, we pick it yeah. up whenever. <laughs> yeah, pick it up when it, it's fine. Just call whenever. <laughs> and what do people do? Leave messages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, not all the time, but, the, you know, we're going to, when we do get to go actually dive in somewhere else rather than a pool, we're going to take it with us. And that'll be, um, that's going to go on tour with us anyway, put it that way. So look out for that a, bit, a little bit of fun and games you know yeah. uh, get people talking and find out you know just sit them down tell us about what they've been up to with the dive and things like that yeah we had one we released an episode today it was just um us chatting rosemary and yeah we had a diver that did her first dive at stony cove so she just called in and said how the viz was and that was it wasn't it and just how good yeah. it was to be back in the water after yeah six months out so, yeah, they just, you know, we just slot it in on the podcast. It's and it's just good. Another little feature, really. Yeah. Oh, cool. It's nice. a bit interaction as well. doesn't cost nothing. And it's right. just brilliant. It just goes out there. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just, you know, hopefully people will send a positive. I mean, we've even had a guy in Panama, haven't we? Can't remember his yeah. name. Yeah. yeah. But... Video clips, anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Just something a little bit different, a bit of variety. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone. And the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly. And thank you once again for downloading this episode.